had to make sure my mic was shut off so didn't hear you say so then didn't you? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well good morning I mentioned to the first service there's a saying about a bad penny it just keeps showing up that's kind of why I'm here <laughs> so We're continuing on our uh, journey through the book of Mark. And if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to the second chapter of Mark. Uh, if you've got your device, whatever you have. Uh, if you want to go there, we're looking at four or five verses here that continue on really from where Bill left off uh, a couple weeks ago concerning the paralytic that was lowered through the roof of the house and uh, Jesus made a bold statement he said your sins are forgiven you and that caught people's attention all of a sudden there was uh, a, a stir there was a, a murmuring because God alone and everybody knew it God alone had forgiven had the ability to forgive sin and now this man was claiming that authority and he had the right to and that's basically what he was telling them is you know what I know what you're thinking I know what I know what you know God does God alone does have the authority to forgive sin so that you would know who I am so that to give credence to my claim to let you know what I'm about in my ministry arise take up your pallet and walk and he did and so there's a buzz going on among the people of of Capernaum where he is where he'd been uh, ministering it was at Peter's house uh, and and they had the, the crowds just kept coming and coming because they, they were hearing of the, these great things that this Jesus was saying. So we pick up with that in verse 13 of Mark chapter 2. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the, ta in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Father, we just ask that you would open uh, the truths, the depths of your word to our hearts this morning, that we would catch a glimpse of, of the, the power and the importance of, of what you did and what you said uh, at this time in, in Scripture. So, Father, we just ask that you would cancel the enemy's assignment against us here. You'd garrison this building with your angels, and you would give us the freedom to hear from you and to understand your word. 
Amen. This is really a, an, an interesting passage here, and I want to somewhat set the, the stage for you. Remember, this is the beginning of Jesus's uh, ministry. He didn't, he didn't sneak in. He came in, you know, w- with a big, you know, cannonball in the pool. He made a big splash right away. He came forward and basically declared who he was and what it was he could do and what it is he came to do, and he went right out and demonstrated it. As I mentioned, we'd already seen his statement uh, to the paralytic about forgiving his sin. This set the religious world buzzing totally buzzing. So, so much so that people were flocking to Peter's house, and they couldn't contain them all, and so, so he moved outside, and now where we pick up this story, they're heading out, he's heading out to the seashore, because that's where he did a lot of his teaching. He could, he, he could, he could somewhat uh, contain the crowd because of the seashore, but he could also it could also speak to a much larger crowd out by the sea. And they're heading there, and it says here, as, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. Now, Levi is someone, uh, the, the same account shows up in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Okay. In Mark and Luke, it's Levi. In the book of Matthew, it's Matthew. It's not two different guys. They're the same guy, okay? Uh, This is, Levi is Matthew who wrote the gospel, Matthew, okay? Levi, because of this event, and we'll find out why later, but because of this event must have changed his name. And the name he chose was Matthew, which means gift of the Lord, because of what he received from God by virtue of forgiveness. And so you'll know him from here on as Matthew. But for now, he's Levi, sitting in a tax booth. Now, you've got to understand what that means to really comprehend what goes on in this story what goes on at this time. Tax collectors in uh, this time, this era, were the scum of the earth. They were despised individuals. There were two kinds of tax collectors. There were those who would, would uh, collect the, uh, the general or the fixed taxes. Uh, the, remember, everybody was under the authority of Rome. And Rome heavily taxed people. And so they needed people to collect these taxes. And so there was the general tax, which would be like the property tax, the income tax, the sales tax. And there would be a tax man that would come and collect that, which was taxed for Rome. And they would, they would collect that and take that to the, the treasuries. But then there was another kind of tax collector. These were the specialty taxes. 
These were the flexible taxes. In other words, there was no, there was no rate. Well, this is what, this is what uh, passage of this road costs you. No, these were flexible taxes. Rome had, uh, they had, what they did was they sold the right to collect these taxes. You could get a franchise as a tax collector. And they would cost a lot of money. But the reason they were sought after is that there was no fixed tax. So the guy who had the franchise could charge as much as he wanted. He just had to give Rome what they expected. And so these were extortioners. They were thugs. It was, it was the mafia of their day. They were brutal people. They, they, uh, they, would, they taxed everything. There was no limit, really, as to what could be taxed, much as we have today. Uh, these were import taxes, export taxes, transport taxes, tolls on roads, bridges, animals, you name it, mail, you name it. These guys could tax it. And there was no set rate. They would, they would get as much as they could out of you. And that's why they were absolutely despised. They were the mafia. What made Levi even worse, he was a Jew. He was a Jew who had sold his soul to Rome and become a collector of taxes. And he was despised for it. These guys were the worst of the worst. They were considered the lowest. Tax collectors were on the equivalent of murderers and thieves. If, if a tax collector touched your house, it would be deemed unclean. They were banned from the synagogue. It was legal to lie to tax collectors with impunity. They were disqualified as a witness in court. And the disgrace of being a tax collector was extended to their family. They were isolated off. No one talked to these guys except, of course, other tax collectors, other sinners. These guys were isolated off. They were, they were absolutely shunned by the Jews. To become a tax collector meant you, you gave up any sort of relationships. You gave, up, you gave up everything, and they were willing to do so for money. But as it is with anything that we pursue other than God, it comes up empty, totally empty. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And Levi was in the middle of that em emptiness. He had, he had forsaken all of his, uh, his rights and privileges and needs of being a, a, a person who, who is loved and respected and honored or, or, or uh, 
at least befriended. He had given all that up for this. And he lived in Capernaum, where Jesus had been ministering. And Levi had heard of Jesus, obviously. Everybody had heard of Jesus. They either heard him directly, they went to hear him, or they heard of him and his claim now that he was one who could forgive sin. And Levi had to have been affected by that message. Here was a Jew who was now separated from his God, so he was told because of his sin there was no way in this world or the next. There was no way that this man, according to the Pharisees, according to the custom of the people, there is no way this man could ever, ever be in the presence of God. And now this man was saying there was a way. He'd heard that. And we read here, it says, he saw him in the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. I want you to realize how important that is. A couple of different things. Remember, Jesus, we know in uh, Scripture, we know that, that Jesus has the ability to see the heart of a man. We're, we're told in John that, that, that he knew the heart of men. Jesus knew what was going on in this guy's heart. He had been convicted of his sin. He was longing for acceptance. This man, Jesus, was carrying a proclamation that even he could be forgiven. And oh, he must have wanted that. But I'm sure he thought there is absolutely no way. And when this man Jesus was coming through his tax booth, you can only imagine what he might have been thinking, especially when he says, follow me. He reached into his heart and gave him an invitation that said, I want to hang out with you. Nobody wanted to hang out with Levi. But this one said, I want to hang out with you. And you know what he did? He gave up everything. We find out in Luke's account, it says that he forsook everything. Closed up shop, laid everything aside, abandoned everything. This lucrative business that he had, and he followed Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus had some spell over him where he just got up and started following him. He had drawn him. He had something. He was proclaiming something that, that this man so desperately needed, and he responded, and he said, I'm willing to give up everything that I have to follow this man. And he did. Now, there were others who did the same thing. The fishermen, remember, there are several of them. They, they left their nets. They abandoned their nets, and they followed Jesus. But you know what? At the end, when after the resurrection, where did we find some of those guys? They went back to fishing, didn't they? They just went back and got more nets and just started doing what they were doing. For Levi, 
not going to happen. You don't go back to being a tax collector. Somebody was going to assume his place, and he could never go back. For Levi, this meant giving up everything. But for Levi, that meant, I want to. It's worth it. And he followed him. And look what he does next. This is where the scandal just escalates. Already there's a scandal because he said he had the power to forgive sin, the authority to forgive sin. Now he's talked to a tax collector. Now he invites him to follow him, to, to, to be part of his, uh, his company. And it says that, and, and it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners, obviously because nobody else would be there, were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. In the Jewish custom, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish uh, way of life, eating was a very important thing. They didn't have tables and chairs like we do. They had low tables, and they would, they would recline. When it says they were reclining at the table, they would, they would be resting on one arm with their feet. They were laying on their side, propped up with one arm. Their feet would be away from the table, and they would, they would break bread together. They would pass bread around, for instance. They would break off a piece. They would dip it in the soup or whatever was there, and they would eat it. Uh, that's how they ate. But to a Jew, eating with somebody meant becoming one with them. Because the idea was what this common, this common bread which goes into you is going into me and we're becoming one together. Which is why a Jew never ate with a Gentile, never ate with anybody unclean, never, ever, ever ate with a tax collector or a sinner. And now Jesus was doing the greatest faux pas, the, the, the greatest uh, demonstration of, of either not knowing who he was eating with or not knowing the custom or just blatantly disregarding it, he was eating with these guys, becoming one with them in their eyes. Well, you know what it says in 2 Corinthians? Back here in chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was identifying with the sinner. He was giving a picture of what he would do later in his ministry. He who knew no sin becoming our sin, becoming one with our sin to take it to the cross and nail it there to be forgiven by the Father and washed away so that mankind could be re-indwelt, re-inhabited by, back in a relationship with this God who could forgive sin. He was identifying with the sinner. And to the Pharisee, to the people around, it was, it was, you know, I mean, what more do we need to know about this guy? He must be from the devil. 
But like I said, Jesus opened up his ministry with a big splash. He wanted people to know right up front which line, where the line was and which side he was on to declare to them what side they were on. And it says that many gathered. the ta And you, you notice they always separate out the tax collectors and the sinners because the tax collectors were worse. The pile of sinners, the group that would be referred to as a sinner, would be... Um, would be prostitutes, they would be money lenders, thieves, thugs, drunkards, shepherds, people of dirt is what they were called. They were non-associable. They, they were taboo, like the lepers, unclean, not to be touched or fellowshiped with. And here's a whole pile of them eating at Levi's house. And you know why? Because Levi invited them. He was so excited about the claims of this man and what he had just done for him. And he wanted to tell those who were like him, those who were in need. And you know what? They needed good news too. They wanted to hear that their sin could be forgiven. Because you know what the Holy Spirit does? The job of the Holy Spirit, we're told from Scripture, is to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Somewhere in their heart, they knew, as demonstrated by society... They were on the outs. And thus, they were sick. And that's what Jesus said when the, when the uh, Pharisees, the scribes of the Pharisees, saw that the man, or that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? They didn't go to the man himself. They didn't go ask Jesus because, you know what, nobody is ever in the presence of Jesus and not convicted of their sin. That's why they were always skirting him. That's why they were always having others ask the questions. That's why they went to the disciples and said, why does he, why does the one you're following eat with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus, he knew what the question was. And he responds this way. He said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Remember the word, the word uh, Pharisee means separated one. They saw themselves as separated from the rest because they were so holy, they were so righteous, they were so good, they were the model. And what they did constantly was just remind everybody else why they weren't like them. And remember when John the Baptist came baptizing, the Pharisees stood back in hearty approval because he was baptizing for the repentance of sin, for the remission of sin, excuse me. And, and they sat back and, and, oh, it's good you're going. Oh, glad to see you here, you know. But none of them got baptized. Why? They didn't see a need. They thought their deeds, their works, their self-righteousness was... I mean, if, if, if they weren't in heaven, then nobody was going. They had no need. 
of being cleansed. They were clean in their own mind, and Jesus knew it. And he says, I can't do anything for you. If you know you're sick, I can do something for you. If you think you're well, well, go be well. See how it works for you. And the wickedness of their heart eventually led them to become liars and murderers. And remember what Jesus said? He said, you're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. And these guys, these Pharisees who, said, who were condemning him and condemning those who were following him as saying, well, see, clearly they're, they're evil, they're, they're lost, they're, they're sinners, they're sick, but we're okay well, in the end, they proved to be liars and murderers as they hung Jesus Christ, their Savior, on a cross. They didn't see the need. And for those who don't see the need, they will not see the answer. But to those who see the need, they will see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to ask you two questions. You know, when Jesus drew that line, he said, this is what I came to do. I came to save the sick. I came to save the lost. I came to redeem mankind and restore them back to their function the way I created them in the first place. Do you know you're sick? And the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing today in our culture as he did back there because he's the same yesterday, today, and yea, forever. He's letting people know when they're sick. The Holy Spirit draws people. So I want to ask, because I don't know everybody in here. I know a lot of you, and I know most of your testimonies, but I don't know everybody. But if you're one of those people that over the course of your life, and maybe more so now than ever, that you're aware of, a, of an issue, you're aware of an emptiness, you're aware of a need, and you're aware that you're sick. There's something about you that isn't quite right. There's something about you you want to change but are powerless to do so. If that's you, that's the Holy Spirit reaching in like he did to Matthew, to Levi, and saying, I want, I'm your answer. I can heal that. I can cleanse you. And all it takes is for you to respond to that reach. All it takes is for you to say, that's me, Lord. Cleanse me from my sin. It says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we may then be indwelt by his Holy Spirit to enjoy the company of the Lord forever and ever. 
But a lot of you are here and you've made that decision. And maybe God's touching your heart, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in, but I'm still hanging on to some of this stuff from the world. I didn't forsake everything. I'm not forsaking everything. I'm hanging on to something that I think I need. And it's slowing you down. And it's weigh, weighing you down. It's robbing your joy. I'm not telling you you walk away and just close your door and become a nomad out here. I'm saying are you willing to make everything that God has given you available to him? That when he taps you on your shoulder and says, here, I want to use this for this. And you say, Lord, it's yours. Have it. Your time. Your energy. Your influence. Your material things. What, what have you not forsaken? What have you not made available to the Lord? Because I want to tell you, it's slowing you down. Nothing was slow in Levi. He walked away from it all. No more forms to fill out. No more people to chase down. He just followed. Oh, he had plenty to do because the Lord had plenty for him to do. But it was new stuff. And it was good stuff. This story is to let us know there is nobody too low for God to reach. His grace is amazing. So if you're sitting here thinking you're out of reach, if you're sitting here wondering if somebody you know is out of reach, I'm here to tell you, no. God loves the sinner. He paid for the sin. But he wants you to break bread with him. He wants you to become one with him. And he wants to lead you in the way of everlasting, the abundant life. What would be wrong with that? Let's pray. Father, you are good. Always have been. You'll never change. And Lord, may we take this message here of Levi who, who sold his soul to worldly things but found its emptiness and then found you and responded to you and thus found everlasting life. May we take that message and recognize you just flat out love us and you want us. And we praise you for that. So Father, if there's anybody here that, uh, whose heart is, is, uh, has been touched by your spirit, has been drawn by your spirit, I just pray, Father, that they would answer that, that respond, that they would respond to that call today. Because we really have no idea what's going to happen the rest of the day, let alone tomorrow. So Father, you know I don't. And I know you'll tell them you love them. And I just pray that they would respond. And we'll trust you for the outcome of that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.